Uh, morning, friends. Uh, so today, I would like to share a few words on what Sela is all about. So we've uh, known about this term. Uh, when you read the Bible, we'll come across this term. So what is the Sela all about? But before we actually go there, uh, I would just like to share a few thoughts on praise and worship. So what exactly is worship? We use the terms uh, frequently together. We say praise and worship service. Sunday mornings, we have music. We say uh, it's a praise and worship. So how do we really make sense of what praise is and how is it different from worship? How was it looked at in the Old Testament? How was it in the New Testament? And how does God look at it? And more importantly, how do I approach it in the marketplace? So when you say what, when you try to define worship, we have to put it in the context. So when uh, Abel offered uh, the sheep, it was worship. When Abraham offered his son, it was worship. Israelites, they killed fattened calves and dove and goats, and it was worship. Daniel, when he said, I don't want all the food that the royal family is eating, it was deemed to be worship. The slaves in Babylon, as we read in the Psalms, when they were working, they were singing and they were praising God, it was worship. Paul and Silas, when they were in the prison, when they were singing in the midst of all their troubles, it was still worship. So how can we come up with a definition which fits all these circumstances? How can we look at uh, Abel's worship? How can we look at Abraham, Paul, Silas, Daniel? And how do we really make sense of what worship is? How can we come at a common definition for worship? So what is worship as defined by the Bible? So I have put down a few verses. So worship, it says it's a, uh, as a presenting of bodies, as a living sacrifice. It's a fruit of our lips. Sometimes worship is gifts. And uh, the famous passage in John, we, we are exhorted to worship in spirit and in truth. And how do we differentiate praise? Praise and worship. So praise generally, it's expressing our approval, saying something good about a person. If uh, a, a, a child gets first mark, we praise the child. Well, you've done well, good. And uh, that typically is what praise is all about, to extol the virtues of someone. And what is worship? Worship is much more than praise. It's actually a lifestyle. It's a continuous series of activities. It is a uh, 24 bar seven attitude through which we are expressing our devotion. So in the Old Testament, how was praise seen? So today we have fixed uh, definitions and we have certain mindsets on what praise is. So in the Old Testament, there are seven words used for praise. Let's quickly go through that. Tehila, it just means jumping up and down. You had halal which means to rave, to talk wildly uh, as in a delirium. It's partying for God. How about yada? Yada means to uh, throw something. Uh, David threw the uh, uh, stone at Goliath. That was praise. That was yada. That's the word that was used. Yada, to throw something for God. Toda. Toda, it's like opening your hands in thanksgiving. Even today, when you go to Israel, that's what they say. Toda, thank you. Shabbat. Shabbat is shouting for God, precisely what 
uh, happened when the walls of Jericho fell down. People shouted. People are shouting for God. Tefila, tefila, it's supplicated, bowing down. So, and uh, finally, we have the word zamar to pluck or twang on a stringed instrument. So, praise had so many different understanding as per the Old Testament. How about uh, the New Testament? New Testament, we have Paul exhorting us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So you have uh, psalms, hymns, and the, the word spiritual songs is translated Ode Pneumaticos, which is heartfelt rendering of praise by the breath of the Holy Spirit. How about for worship? Worship, prostrate or bow down, bend the knee to bless. Uh, I would like to uh, talk about a word here, avoda. Avoda means praising God through work, work as a lifestyle. So this is something that we need to uh, understand for people of Israel. The same word referred to work as well as worship. So when they say, I'm going to work, they'll say avoda. And when they say that they're going to the synagogue to worship, they will say avoda. So for them, it's not different. Work is worship. And in the New Testament, the famous passage where Jesus is talking about um, uh, the, the women, the Samaritan women at the well, he's saying, they that worship me should worship me in truth and spirit. The entire passage, Jesus uses the word proskuneo. Proskuneo means just as how a dog licks its master's hands. This is how Jesus defined worship. Just like how a dog licks its master's hands or to kiss passionately. So the point I'm trying to make in listing out all these words is that today we have a conception that worship and praise should be like this. But that's not how the word, uh, how the Bible defined praise and worship, how Jesus defined praise and worship. So the, before we get into Selah, we need to understand worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not something that we do privately, uh, maybe in the church on Sundays. Worship is a lifestyle. It is 24 bar 7. Worship is something that we do for God on a consistent basis through our thoughts, through our action, through our uh, deeds. Worship is saying no to certain food. Worship is throwing something for God. Worship is partying for God. Worship is just like how a dog licks its master's hands. It is that kind of an intimacy, that kind of a lifestyle we live for God. So it's only when we have such a foundation, we can move into higher levels of intimacy, just like how King David was able to step into God's presence. So with that as a, a starting point, worship needs to be a lifestyle. Worship needs to be something that we do, not just privately, but also wherever we are, whatever be the time of the day, at work, at school, at play, at home, at church, worship should be, should be a part of who we are. It should be our lifestyle. So what is Sela? So Sela, it's uh, not very well defined. It, happened, it occurs 71 times, uh, 68 times in Psalms and three times in the book of Habakkuk. It's uh, always mentioned as a side, side note. There is actually no uh, accurate definition given in the Bible. Selah in its Hebrew form, it just means pause, just a stop or a change in the musical notations. 
So there have been several interpretation of what Sela is and what it could mean. Uh, but what I would like to suggest is that Sela, it's just the intervention of God in a particular time and place. So the author or the person in a state of worship as a part of a lifestyle of worship steps into the presence of God and there is a turning point happening. The person might be broken, might be in so much turmoil, might be in so much pain and suffering and sorrow, but then there is a change in point. The person gets a perspective from God, gets a revelation of God. So that pause, maybe I'm grumbling and complaining and I'm in a frame of mind where I'm letting out all my emotions and then Selah happens. There is a pause. There is a stopping and I receive a perspective from God. There is a supernatural connection that happens and God ministers to me. God speaks to me. And as a result, there is a change in direction. So this is very briefly what happens at Selah, what Selah is all about. Selah is a pause when we receive the connection from God, when we receive new perspectives, when we receive new revelations from God. For example, we look at Psalm 4. So Psalm 4, you, you, you see uh, King David talking about his problems. He says, uh, all the people are against me. What can I do? How long will men turn my glory into shame? How long people seek uh, vanity and lies and things like that? Then Selah, there is a pause. There is a reflection. There is a moment when God intervenes, when God speaks to King David. And then David King David gets God's perspective. He then talks about how God works, how God is majestic, how we have to stand in awe. And then he moves forward and he says, you see how it concludes, for the Lord makest me dwell in safety. You look at the beginning and look at the end. At the beginning, he says, I am in distress. Nobody is look, uh, 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 understanding me and my everything is, uh, I'm ashamed and uh, people are going after lies. And see how it is ending. There is peace. And God makes him dwells in safety. So this is typically what Selah is all about. Selah brings God's perspective from heaven to earth. Selah helps us pause, reflect, and seek directions from God. So it's not just in Psalms. Psalms, there is evidently we see a Selah happening. But uh, if you look at the Old Testament, uh, in uh, King Solomon, when he was dedicating the temple, we find that there were 120 silver trumpets blowing in one note and bang, Selah happens. God in his glory steps into the temple and people are not able to minister because of the glory of God falling on the temple. In the same way, in the New Testament, we see that in the upper room, 120 people in one accord, they are gathering, gathered there praising and worshiping God. And here too, we see that God interrupts God brings down his spirit and there is Selah moment even at that point of time. So Selah has been a concept, a principle that has been uh, in, that we can see in the Bible right from beginning till the very end. So uh, there have been uh, attempts to divide Selah into different uh, types. So broadly, these are the three classifications uh, that Selah the various uh, uh, scriptures are classified. So one is uh, turning point Selah. 
So there is a direction, uh, the, the, the uh, King David goes in a particular direction and then he sees there are two ways or three ways before him. He makes a choice and makes a turn. So that is a turning point, Selah. And uh, for example, in Psalm 22, there is a lot of prophetic words being uttered. So this is a second type where there is a prophetic reflection. We find that King David, as he is in a state of worship, as he is connecting with God, God reveals what the future holds. God's prophecies come through. And that is a prophetic uh, reflection. And uh, one other type is that uh, through the Sela, we are able to move to higher levels of intimacy with God. So uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we find that uh, John, the disciple John, apostle, he is actually having a vision. And uh, if, you, if you read through the chapter, it says, I was in the spirit. He's already in the spirit. And then God takes him to a higher plane. He says, come on up. And he goes up and he enters the throne room. He sees a lot of other visions and dreams. So Selah, it's also can refer to, uh, it also results in us entering into higher and higher levels of intimacy and glory in the presence of God. So uh, how do we apply this? Okay, Selah, uh, very broadly, we know what it is. We know how it is classified. We know what happens in Selah. So how does it matter to me? How do I apply Selah in the marketplace? Uh, many times we worship God to the best of our ability. What we think is right, we try and offer it to God. But that's really not what the scripture tells us. Uh, if you look at uh, the case of Cain and Abel, so Abel, he brought in the best of his flocks. Cain brought in the best of his uh, uh, plants, the crops. For all that matters, uh, Cain could have brought the choicest of his fruits. Cain could have brought uh, the ultimate of all his harvest, the ripest, most tastiest uh, food. Though he brought his very best, it was not what God wanted. The principle was there, is, there was a gap in the relationship between God and man. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So God expected blood to be shed and the gap to be bridged. God's agenda for worship was different, but Cain's agenda was different. Many times, unintentionally, we fall into the same trap. We try to bring something to God, which we think is good. But that's not exactly what God wants. We need to always check with God what God wants and offer that as a worship to God, not just force God to accept whatever we bring. Sometimes when a, a small child gives a crayon uh, a drawing, just to humor the child, we might receive it and say very good. But when we want to appreciate art and oil paint or and, uh, a, a painting of the masters, such a three-year-old's painting will not do at all. Sometimes God acknowledges what we bring to the table. Sometimes in his magnanimity, God says, uh, okay, good, thank you. And he receives the worship that we bring. But how long can we be worshiping God like a three-year-old? We need to know God's agenda. We need to check with God how God wants to be worshipped, what God expects. And then 
we need to worship God the way he desires to be worshipped. So this is something that we need to be aware of. It's not that we sing, we uh, uh, play music and uh, uh, just worship God in, in a simple and comfortable way. No, every time we need to ask God what and how he needs to be worshipped. So what is scanning in the spirit? Just like how we do scans in the computer for our health to know what needs to be done. We need to first scan in the spirit. It's just a simple tool to reach in the spirit to find out where the spirit is leading us. What is the direction in which the Holy Spirit is moving and partner with the Holy Spirit to worship God in that particular direction and move. So uh, it's very important we start in the spirit because only when we start in the spirit, we can worship God in the spirit. But if we start in the flesh, it is not possible to move to the spirit. So we need to start in the spirit to keep moving on and on and on and worship God in truth and spirit. Worshiping God from the flesh will not take us far. So what is the steps? Uh, we need to uh, realize uh, we have to prepare ourselves in the spirit, soul, as well as in the body. So worshiping God it's a joyful experience. It's a celebration. So we need to cast away all fear, doubt, anxiety. If needed, we can even close our eyes. If that helps us to concentrate. Uh, there's no need to actually empty our mind or blank our mind or any kind of uh, new age mumbo jumbo. So these are just basically the simple steps. The first step is to repent. Ask God for the forgiveness of our sins. To set ourselves right with God. Because the word is very clear, without holiness, we can't enter into the presence of God. So this is the very first step. Wherever we are, whatever we do, quickly set ourselves right with God. If there is any sin in our life, if there is any uh, hidden uh, iniquity or anything that we have rebelled against God in any way, we need to set ourselves right with God first. This is the first step. And second step is to praise and worship God. So if we have a, this is where the lifestyle comes into play. If we have a lifestyle of worshiping God, if we are continuously in praise of God, then this, steps, this step becomes easy. So repent, then praise. And third step is just to wait on God. To just, many times we keep talking in all our prayers and many times we just keep talking, asking, and we rarely pause to listen. So as we listen, what happens is that God gives an answer. And it, it, it might, might not be an answer where God opens heaven and uh, uh, he speaks like how he spoke to Moses in uh, lightning and thunder. It might not happen. But most of the times, in a still small voice, God would either give us a picture. He can even give a smell or it could be a sense of God's presence, a peace. Uh, if we have three, three options before us. Uh, we might just sense this peace in one option. The other two options might not have the peace. Sometimes God could give a song or a melody and sometimes God could give a word. So these are the many, many, many ways where, which God can give an answer. And once God gives, gives the answer, we need to act on it. It's not something that we keep it inside us and uh, not do anything about it. We need to act on that. So this is something I'd like to leave with you. Uh, wherever we are in our workplace, in public place, uh, in a crowded uh, environment, 
what we need to do is quickly repent. It, it hardly takes a few minutes and we have to get into an attitude of praise and worship. And as we wait on the Lord, as we expectantly, hopefully wait for his answer, God gives an answer. Many times uh, we might not feel confident, but as we get into the habit of practicing hearing from God again and again and again, we get better and soon we'll be able to concretely say that this is from God and I will act on it. So God is wanting to intervene in our lives each and every day, every hour, every minute as much as possible. So if we get into this habit of where the Holy Spirit is, how we can connect easily with God and if we expectantly practice these steps, we can very easily, like how King David was able to get in and out, we can also experience the same sailor in our life, in our marketplace. I would just like to give you a small example before I finish. Uh, this is something that uh, 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 one of our uh, known colleagues uh, shared. Uh, her name is uh, Sharon Stone. Uh, she was trying to work with a Japanese company. So this Japanese company, uh, there was a very uh, senior uh, member, a, a, a grandmother. She was making all the decisions. So, but they were not able to get through with working with this Japanese company. Every step that they tried to make, this see, this grandmother, this lady, the uh, chair chairperson of the company, she would uh, bring some objection or the other, and they were not able to work or move forward anywhere. So, uh, at one final uh, dinner, the entire family was there, the Japanese company, the entire family, and uh, the uh, our uh, people, they were also there. And things were not moving, they were not going anywhere. So uh, uh, Pastor Sharon Stone, so she quickly uh, asked God, she quickly checked up and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So as she was in a state of uh, worship, asking God what needed to be done for his glory at this point of time. God just gave her a simple word. Tell the lady that God loves her like his own child. This was something very simple. Uh, so she was a little apprehensive, but still uh, in front of everybody in that entire table, she said, ma'am, I would just like to say something to you. God says that he loves you like his own child. And everybody was blinking. And what is this out of context? Somebody saying something. And the change on this old lady was remarkable. She started crying. Tears were pouring from her face. She went out. And uh, after some time, she came back and she said, we were in Japan. We were you know, a poor family. Uh, we had no money. So we pulled all our savings together and we bought a ticket to America. So we were able to travel to America Unfortunately, me and my husband, we were only able to afford two tickets. We could not get the ticket for our toddler son. So we left our son with my sister. And my sister brought, brought up the son as her own son. So even till date, though we have become rich, we have become wealthy, I'm not able to call my own son as my son because... He is my sister's son and I have to call him and relate to him accordingly. But when you said God loves me like his own child, it broke my heart and I was able to quickly connect with this God and now tell me what I needed to do. So 
Sela in the marketplace really works. What we need to do is to understand what worship is all about and how it is very important to have worship as a lifestyle, wherever we are, whatever we do. God wants us to get into this experience of Sela. So let us apply what we have heard today. Let us look at how we can get into God's presence wherever we are, very quickly, repent, praise God, hear what God has to say, an image or a song or a word, and then do what God wants us to do. So this is something that I just wanted to share with you today. And uh, I hope uh, we would be able to be having a close, intimate relationship with God moving forward in a state of worship, a lifestyle of worship and praise. Let us pray. A loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Master, for this nature of yours to connect with you, to be always growing in intimacy, in intimate relationship with us. Thank you, Father, for helping us realize, Lord Master, that you want us to worship you according to your agenda, not what we want or how we think it should happen, but rather your will be done through my lifestyle of worship. Thank you, Father, for helping me, Lord Master, quickly connect with you in the marketplace. Whatever be the situation, whoever may be around me, Lord, thank you for helping me, Lord Master, quickly repent and through my lifestyle of worship and praise to connect with you, Lord Master, to receive from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Master, that you are a God who answers prayers. And even today, Lord Master, just like how King David was able to get into an attitude of worship and quickly have several Selah moments. We also, Lord Jesus, desired to do the same. Thank you, Father, for richly blessing our efforts and helping us, Master, connect with you. Just like how you were with Adam in the marketplace. You were, Lord Master, walking with him in the cool of the day. You are, Lord Jesus, helping us walk, helping us partner with you in our marketplace. How, Lord Master, work and worship means the same in the Hebrew language. Thank you, Father, for helping us connect with you in our work. Thank you, Father, for the entire day, each and every one of us. Lord, we submit, surrender ourselves into your able hands. We cover each and every one of us with your blood from head to toe. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.